0: Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to. So quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go, this is the payback. Alabama wins! What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Right. Hello and welcome to a Better Late Than Never preseason edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Ooh-wee, am I getting older or are these off-seasons going faster and faster? That's not me complaining. Well, I mean, maybe a little. Uh, But so far, 2022 uh, has me appreciating uh, the perspective of so many Alabama opponents over the last recent years uh, in terms of all of my ass that it has kicked. But alas, and paraphrasing a lyric, it's late August, and I really should be back to podcasting. So here we go. First, let me remind Cajole, Begg, uh, if you haven't checked out our member support uh, program, I really ask you to do, uh, you know, to check it out. Uh, give, it a, give it a shot. Zoom calls, uh, early access to all of our podcasts. And this year we're doing a meetup in Tuscaloosa with uh, a subset of our uh, sort of our Zoom call team, if you will. And uh, the only way that you can get that information, the only way you can participate is to be uh, on the support team and then on the Zoom calls as well. And so we invite. It's a really great group of fellows and um, really uh, hope that uh, we can we can grow that group uh, this year. All right. So now here we go. Uh, We'll start today with offense. And, uh, and then come back with a second open episode for defense. And then next week, uh, coming up uh, Monday, uh, we have an interview with Utah State. And so uh, we'll be back uh, with a vengeance with three shows uh, sort of back-to-back-to-back to back to back here. Uh, from an offense perspective, at the time of this recording, the depth chart has not been released. Uh, but by the time you're listening to this, uh, it will be released And so, you know, for a little bit, I don't really care about the official depth chart. Uh, It doesn't always align with what we see on the field. Saban sometimes uses the depth chart as a motivation tool uh, or as a reward uh, listing guys as starters that maybe don't really materialize. Uh, into that position. So what I'm playing to is what I expect to see on the field. And I'll call out a couple of the differences or a couple of variances, and, and we'll sort of talk through that a little bit. But uh, I'm playing to what I expect to see, and we'll go from there. All right, let's jump in. Quarterbacks, they get all the girls, uh, at least my friend uh, Brent Musburger says so. And uh, so when they start all of our podcasts, uh, I don't make the rules. I just get fired if, uh, if I don't follow them. So We're going to start with the quarterback position. And, spoiler alert, uh, returning Heisman winner Bryce Young, he's going to start at quarterback. I think we all pretty much know that and expect it. Uh, And I expect he's going to pick up right where he left off. Uh, He had a phenomenal sort of breakout campaign last year, obviously winning the Heisman, uh, threw for almost 5,000 yards. And just he was outstanding. He was stellar. I think he's going to pick right back up where he left off. His numbers may or may not uh, uh, equal that with some of the transition we have. At uh, other positions, but I think he's going to play very, very well. Bryce Young truly is a point guard at the quarterback position. And I mean, like a true sort of old school point guard player of the position. He he is really no driving the lane necessarily. He's not a slasher. He's not a scoring point guard or a shooting point guard, whatever sort of the terminology. He, he looks to distribute the ball quite, quite figure, literally. He doesn't run. He's not a running quarterback. Uh, he'll run to keep a play alive, to to find an open receiver, and reluctantly he he will run in, in select circumstances. And I don't look for that to change uh, a whole lot this year. Maybe a little bit, uh, you know, he'll run a little bit more, but I don't think he's going to do a whole lot of that. But I think he's going to be as effective, as efficient uh, as he was last year. And we're going to see, you know, small progressions in his game because he, he was pretty polished by the end of last season. Jalen Milrow is going to be his backup and he will play and Milrow is just he's a different guy. Uh he's a he's a specimen that truly could play several positions on the field and I'm not I'm not rooting for us to move him to another position. Uh, but if you were to look at the best athletes on the team, he is one and I think that we will find a role, maybe it's a a package or sub package or I think we do something with him. He's just too talented to to keep off, uh, to keep off the field. So, we'll certainly see uh, how that goes. I think he alone will make blowouts worth watching uh, to come and see what he does uh, when he has an opportunity. And Ty Simpson, uh, true freshman. I think he has a lot of talent, and he's going to be. Uh, he competes for a future at the position. He'll play, uh, but I think uh, competition for you know his role on the team really doesn't start until uh, until the spring. And I think we're okay with that, with uh, with the fellows that we have in front of him. Let's move along to the running back position. Alabama has just a just a luxury of of depth, but not without intrigue. And so let's run through sort of the names and and what we think about each of these uh, individuals. Georgia Tech transfer uh, J- uh, Jameer Gibbs is going to be a star. He is a dynamic weapon, uh, both rushing and receiving, and he is a legit breakaway threat. Anytime he has the ball in his hands, uh, he had a break, he had a seventy-five yard touchdown in a day where he was virtually untouched and he was a live eligible to be tackled uh, player. Alabama has lacked uh, sort of a a breakaway threat at the running back position for a couple of years. Najee was really good, but. You know, there was a point, you know, three or four years, three years into his career where his longest run was like 40 yards. And that's awesome. But he wasn't a breakaway threat in in the way that uh, Jameer is. You know, Derrick Henry, Drake, uh, Kenyon Drake may be the last sort of explosive running back that we had. And I, th- I think Jameer... Is probably a better a running back, sort of between the tackles, if you will, than uh, than I think uh, Gibbs was, and, and Drake was certainly one of my favorites. Jace McClellan reports as recovered from injury last year. He had a, a significant knee injury uh, last season. I do think he'll probably be on a pitch count early. Uh, we don't want to uh, stress him too much early, early in the season, and so we'll see how sort of his workload progresses. And his rehab running partner, Roydale Williams, was injured last season as well. He had a, a knee injury. They had very similar knee injuries, about five weeks apart. So Jace has got a little bit of a head start on him in terms of his recovery. But I think both Jace and Roy, Roydale will play and they'll get better and better as the season progresses. Part of it's mental, part of it's physical uh, in terms of their rehab and recovery. Trey Sanders. As you all know, he is something of a favorite of mine. Uh, he's actually the returning leading rusher from last season, and uh, he may never. And and it's just it's the way it is, right? He may never fully recover from uh, his car crash injury. And in fact, there was you know some of the initial reports, and we talked about this last season, where that you know some of the reporting was that that he may not survive that injury, not just not come back and play again or his football career but it was it was there were moments there where it was potentially life threatening and so the fact that he's come back to put on a uniform at all is phenomenal and there were times last season where he really would show a burst uh, of talent and then there were times where he wouldn't see the field for weeks and so it was sort of a mystery there but it was all part of his rehab and so i think this year he's going to come back a, a whole nother year of conditioning distance from the injury healing uh, getting healthy, and I think he's going to shine in a. And it's hard; I have a hard time sort of pegging him. Is he second team? Is he third team? Is he all the way to fourth team? I, I think that he's going to have a niche role. And and if we think back to Josh Jacobs, he wasn't the starter, but I would never have considered Josh Jacobs the third or fourth teamer either. He just had a niche role, and he was the starter in that niche role. And I know that's sort of you know butchering language a little bit, but if you watch that team. It's it's true. It's real. And I think Trace Sanders has an opportunity. I think his 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 talent is different than Josh. But I think there's going to be a niche role that he will play, not dissimilar to what we saw with Josh Jacobs uh, a few years ago. I think there's going to be a, a, a couple of freshmen to keep an eye on, uh, although I think they're probably more special teamers and maybe they contribute in, in other ways. But who knows? We moved a a linebacker and a receiver to to running back last year with all the injuries. And so names to keep in mind, Emmanuel Henderson, and he is a true freshman. I knew that he just moved to wide receiver, and so we're going to talk about him more with the receiver uh, group. But uh, I think he's he's a talent. I think he has top-end speed, and he's someone to keep an eye on. And then uh, Jamarian Miller. Uh, Another freshman, he probably is more of a redshirt candidate or special teams candidate. But again, I think he's going to get a lot of practice time and uh, situationally in games. He he might get some he might get some run there as well. Uh, When we talk about the wide receivers, there's a whole litany of names. And uh, we'll sort of step through these sort of what's the skinny on on each of these. There's not a and when we've been spoiled as Alabama fans, uh, we think about, you know, the, the Judy and the Rugs and the Devonta and and all the players that we have have had you know Mechie and and, and Waddle uh, even just very recently the players that have have come through we don't have that sort of known commodity at the position but we got a hell of a lot of talent at at the position and so let's run through the names I'm going to give you sort of my perspective on uh, nearly most of these guys and we'll kind of see how they how they stack out. I think Georgia transfer, our Jermaine, uh, Jermaine Burton, I think he's going to be the number one receiver. And I don't think it's going to be close, especially early. And one thing with Jermaine that's going to be really fun to watch, he was a two-year player, and I hesitate maybe to say starter, but he was a two-year player and contributor on the Georgia squad. And over that time frame, he had 53 catches. I'm not going to quote a whole lot of stats for all the players, but this one really sort of stands out. And so track with me here, just a second. He had 53 catches, 901 yards, and eight touchdowns. And he had that across two seasons. Now, my bet is, uh, and I'll do a bottle bet with somebody, right? Reach out. He'll break those numbers this season at Alabama, barring an injury, right? Uh, And in fact, he'll break some of those before the bye week in uh in October so 53 catches 901 yards and eight touchdowns hell he may have two touchdowns first game of the season I think that uh that he's going to put up big numbers and uh he's going to blow away uh the numbers that that he had at Georgia and it's really going to demonstrate hey he made a business decision he's not mad at Georgia he just wanted to go somewhere where he could contribute and and really sort of make a business decision for himself and I think that I think. It's going to prove out pretty well that in one season he's going to beat the numbers that he had at two in, in two seasons at Georgia, and it's going to be a slam dunk potentially catapulting him uh, first round, early second round. That's that's sort of my projection uh, on on Jermaine. The next sort of group, the next three, I'm not going to put them sort of two, three, four, but I sort of group them into the into the top four. So Jermaine's a one, and I sort of put a blanket over the next three, uh, TreShaun Holden for me is a Kevin Norwood clone and perhaps maybe a, a little more just athletically talented. I don't know if he has the hands of Kevin. I want to see that. Uh, but Treshaun Holden is a, is a player that I think is really going to break out this season for Alabama. And so he's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, he, he's a, a bigger receiver, has a big catch radius, big, strong guy. And uh, I think he's going to make uh, some plays for Alabama this season. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, the hero of the Auburn game, Last year, I think he's going to settle into a productive role. I think he has a lot of talent. And he's one of the young receivers last year that, you know, Saban talked about some of the receivers not putting in the work, not taking it serious, not preparing themselves as if they were going to play, uh, even realizing that that they might not. And we had some guys that really sort of had attitude problems about that. Ja'Cory Brooks was not. One of those guys, and when his number was called, uh, he performed. Now we would like to have seen him perform a little bit better in the championship game against Georgia, uh, but certainly he had his number tagged, uh, number called in the Auburn game, and and he delivered. So I think he's going to build upon that performance. And I think freshman. I think there's a freshman that's going to jump up. And all the reports uh, that I've seen from practice uh, is that Kobe Prentice, a freshman, is is really going to round out the early season top four. I think he has a lot of talent, uh, and I think I think the coaches will find uh, an opportunity for Kobe to play. And so that would be the top four that I would put out on the field, uh, especially early in the season. Burton, Holden, Brooks, and Prentice. Now after that, there's a handful of players, and there's a lot of youngsters. Uh, there's a lot of true freshmen, and I think they're all very, very talented. And so it'll be interesting to see how these roles uh, sort of shake out. Probably you're yelling at your uh, your headset and your podcast, and you're saying, "Why are you not talking about Tyler uh, Harrell, the transfer from from Louisville?" Well, Tyler missed some of fall camp, uh, and even coach was a little bit. He's he's a little bit in, he's a little bit out, and uh, he had a foot injury, and uh, it wasn't until sort of the last sort of quarter of camp or the last third. Of camp that he was really starting to to see more time on the field and really sort of get his his comfort level up to par and I think that the trajectory he's going to blossom as the season unfolds he's not going to jump in like Jamo just day one uh, game one last year I think uh, Tyler has similar speed which gives him an opportunity to open up uh, the offense and especially, you know, open up our clear uh, space for receivers underneath. I think Harold will be more of that speedster that he opens up opportunities as, as much, if not maybe a little bit more, than him just seizing the opportunity. So he's not going to be j part two, but he's going to be a poor man's uh, j And we will be happy to have that. Uh, I just don't think it's a day one sort of flash like we saw in the Miami game last year with with mo But but Tyler is going to progress as the season goes on and will end up being a, a significant weapon for Alabama. Uh, JoJo Earl has a Liz Frank, uh, basically a, 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 a bone break in his, in his foot, and he's going to miss probably well into October. He may not play until after the bye, so that's something we'll have to watch for. Uh, he was a player that I would have predicted uh, in the top four, and predicted for a breakout uh, performance, especially operating out of the out of the slot. And so I think that we're going to miss, uh, that Alabama's going to miss JoJo. But if he comes back second half of the season, I think that he's going to be a contributor. Uh, Christian Leary is a player that, uh, wide receiver that was moved over to running back because there were so many injuries at the position. Uh, that might put him a little bit behind at the wide receiver position, but I think he has a lot of talent. Uh, Thal Jones-Bell, didn't play. He played some, not a whole lot, and uh, he may struggle uh, competing with some of the some of the freshmen. Even though this will be his third year, so he'll know the offense really, really well. But he may get beat out uh, by just the athleticism, the raw athleticism, uh, with some of the youngsters. Four additional freshmen. Uh, we've talked about Kobe Prentice. Uh, there's really six freshmen at the wide receiver position, and and you could draw names out of a hat. I think two or three of them are going to contribute this season. And I think three or four of them have an opportunity to really go on and have sensational careers uh, for Alabama. I've already sort of cast my lot with uh, Kobe Prentice, uh, indicating that he's going to be uh, sort of amongst the top four starting this season. Uh, Not necessarily in a particular order, uh, but I think Aaron uh, Aaron Anderson has an opportunity. I thought he looked good in A-Day. Kendrick Law is another – uh, player that I think has a lot of talent. Uh, some of these guys may contribute on special teams. Shaz Preston and uh, Isaiah Bond. I might put I'll Bond a little further down the list. He 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 may not burst out uh, as immediately as some of these others, but I've heard he's a he's a real uh, sort of tactician in terms of running routes and uh, coaches like that, and so that may allow him to see the field. And then we talked about Emmanuel Henderson, uh, a running back that's now sort of switching over to wide receiver. And the first thought that I have there and you know the reports are like oh that puts him behind and now he's going to you know he's going to really struggle and and my thought is coaches don't just move players uh especially in the middle of you know late in 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 a fall camp maybe in maybe a play around early or you know you mess around a little bit in in spring but to do that late in in fall camp might be an indication that this guy's got a, a lot of talent, and we want to put him on the field. One exercise that Saban talks about is, you know, he'll sort of quiz the coaches. Who are the top 10, 15, 20 athletes on the team, and are they playing? And if they're not playing, can we find a role for them? And he talked about – and I forget the kid's name, but there was a, a kid at LSU that he sort of uses as the model for that. And it's a guy that couldn't find the field, but they moved him to another position, and he was all-conference. And I think of Cameron uh, Latou. As a defensive end, he wasn't going to start. He wasn't going to play ahead of some of the guys that that are on the Alabama roster. But as a tight end, he's a starter, and he's you know kind of damn good at it. And so I think Emmanuel Henderson, I wonder if he doesn't fit that mold. Uh, as a running back, he might be a little slight and super fast, and maybe we could use that talent at wide receiver. And so the fact that we moved him uh, might elevate – For me, it might elevate where he falls in the pecking order. He was going to be at the bottom or towards the bottom of the pecking order at running running back. Maybe he's a middle-of-the-pack guy at wide receiver who, as the season progresses, he's able to grow into uh, a productive opportunity. So uh, that would be what I would uh, uh, watch for there with uh, Emmanuel. Let's talk about tight end. And I mentioned Cam uh, Latou, you know, Think of all the tight ends that Alabama's had recently and just historically that have been really good. And uh, and then imagine that Cameron Latou last year set the Alabama record for touchdowns by tight end. Uh, that's pretty darn impressive. And I think that Latou has a lot of room for improvement. And I don't mean that as a negative. I just mean he's pretty good and he is just really coming into his own or has the opportunity to come into his own at the uh, at the position. And so uh, I would look for him. I hate, hate, hate that he has missed so much time of fall camp. And the reports are kind of shaky or shady uh, in terms of, you know, when he might be back. And so that becomes a question. Is he even going to play against Utah State? My speculation is that he will, but – you know, those reports are, are out when he's in. He's the starter at the position, uh, I think, by a good distance. When he's not, then, you know, we probably play uh, a committee at the position and Alabama's is not nearly as good. But uh, when Cam's on, he's a competitor. I do think he's 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 I think he is. was a beneficiary of that sort of that, you know, what's the top 10, 15, 18 athletic guys on the roster. And, and which ones can't find the field? And how do we redirect them to help them find the field? I think Cam has been a beneficiary of that. And uh, last year uh, he was probably three times as good as I thought he was going to be in terms of contributor. And uh, this season I think he has an opportunity. Uh, if he's healthy for the for the duration, he has an opportunity to build upon that. And that is just super exciting. Uh, I think uh, the JUCO, uh, Miles uh, uh, what's Kitzelman, the positive reports that I'm I'm hearing on Miles is that is his blocking, which which is interesting because the, the on the pictures he looks more of a slight guy, but it uh, looks like uh, that he he's more polished as a blocker and needs to work on his his receiving, and that's I, I, I like that because we have tight ends historically that have struggled with the blocking component, and so if if Miles is is a legit blocker, then that opens up some opportunities. Maybe that allows Kendall Randolph to stay at the guard position, and we'll talk about offensive line here in a minute. I don't know that any of us really believe that over the duration of the season, uh, but it does afford the opportunity as opposed to just categorically dismiss it. Uh, I think Robbie Oots is – I don't even think about him as a tight end, to be honest with you. Uh, a little bit of a halfback, but more of an old-school – Uh, fullback. And so I think he has some versatility and he's going to grow his contribution and grow his game. And so he's sort of listed in the, in the tight end position, but uh, I think he has a little, I think he has a niche role uh, that he plays and he performs that very, very well. And we may see that expand this year. And so that'll be fun. Amari Nyblack, true freshman tight end. Can you imagine? Uh, I've seen in more than one outlet uh, that they call Amari Nyblack A more athletic O.J. Howard, and I just think, wow, that's that's quite something because uh, you know O.J. I think is is typically considered one of the most athletic tight ends to ever suit up for Alabama, and so a true freshman, never seen the field to say that he might be more athletic than 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 O.J. That's pretty darn impressive. I want to I want to buy tickets to see that. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. If if there's any like semblance of truth to that, then he'll absolutely carve out a role. Uh, and again, it may not be blocking, but it may be a, just a, a big body receiver, uh, maybe in a goal line or first down type situation. So that'll be fun to watch him develop. Danny Lewis, who you may know from uh, uh, Dancing with the Stars with uh, Brian Kelly down at uh, LSU uh, doing recruiting, uh, he may be the most complete package. Now he's a true freshman but uh, if you take his size his height his height his weight uh i think he has the, i think he has the build to kind of be a true pack of, of sort of a full package uh, at the tight end position blocker as well as a receiver so we'll see what opportunity he may have to develop and then uh, elijah brown i would consider similar uh to danny uh their sizes are, are pretty similar uh although i think that elijah may not be quite as polished And he's more likely a redshirt candidate, but there's a lot of names at the tight end position. I think it gets late early if Cam can't play, and if Cam can Cam can play, then uh, then I think we have a lot of sort of different trinkets that we can use at the tight end, uh, fullback, halfback uh, position. So that'll be fun. That'll be fun to see. Offensive line. I want to I want to play a little funny game with uh, the offensive line. I'm going to tell you who I think the starting five is. And then I'm going to predict what the official, you know, from Coach Saban starting five will be. And, and, and there's going to be some differences here. And so we'll step them through. My starting five, and this is not on a piece of paper that comes out a week before the game. This is what we see play out over the first weeks of the season. And then we get into about week four where, like, we've kind of settled into who the starters are. This is what we're going to settle into. That's This is the prediction that I'm making. And so it may not be first snap of the game. You were wrong. But by week four, this is what we're going to see across the offensive line. And so that's, that's what I'm looking at. And then I'm going to go left to right, left tackle, Tyler Steen, left guard, Javian Cohen, center, Seth McLaughlin, right guard, Emil Echior, and right tackle, J.C. Latham. Now that's the guys that I'm predicting. Here is what I think the official depth chart will read and this comes out Monday, the official depth chart, and there'll be some differences here. Uh, Tyler Steen at left tackle, Kendall Randolph at left guard, Darian Dowcourt at center, Emil Echior at right guard, and J.C. Latham at right tackle. So there's a couple changes, a couple differences just right there in the middle. I think Kendall Randolph is – I think he's getting a publicity tour. Remember at the start of last season, oh, he's the starter at right tackle. He's the best that we've got, and he got injured, and then he was wildly pipped. He couldn't find the field at an offensive line position when we needed a right tackle to save the season. Uh, He was never plugged back into that position, and it wasn't because we super needed him at at tight end. We needed a right tackle more than we needed a blocking tight end, And, and he never suited up at that position. And so I think what we're seeing here is we're doing a solid for Kendall. He's practicing at left guard, and Saban is going to name him as the starter. And then, oh, suddenly we're going to have a need for a blocking tight end, and he's going to become the blocking tight end. And Saban will, with a straight face, be able to tell NFL coaches and scouts that he was our starting guard, and we had to move him for the need of the team. And so that'll be the storyline there. But I think Javion Cohen will beat him out at left guard. I just think the narrative will be that we needed him as a blocking tight end. So watch for that. Uh, and in the center position, I think the coaching staff will name Darian Dalcourt as the starter. And I think as we get into the season, Seth McLaughlin will be the starter. And and I think there's, I th- I think there's two sides of the coin here, right? And I think there's a legitimate argument to be made. I think the physical – upside between the two players, Darian Dalcourt gets the nod. He's bigger, he's thicker, he's got a bigger ass in terms of just moving and blocking and and making a defender do something that he doesn't want to do, pushing him out of the way, road grading, those types of things. Darian Dalcourt is built for that in a way that Seth McLaughlin is not. But that's not the full equation. We saw the offensive line as a whole – play better last season when Seth came in. Why is that? Because he I think he understands the offense better and he reads the defense better and he calls out the mic better. I think he's calmer under pressure and he's able to to make the calls and make the reads across the offensive line at the center position in a way that's better than Dalcourt. And so that's why the line as a whole played better when Seth was in there. And so I think the coaches are going to be bullish on Dalcourt because, hey, Dalcourt started like 11 games last season. Like he was legit starter. He just wasn't as good at, I don't want to say the mental aspects because I'm not knocking the guy, but the line as a whole settled down with Seth because he was able to, to make those calls. And so, you know, Seth needs to eat hamburgers every day uh, so he can beef up a, a little bit. But I think he – is going to call an offense or call the blocking schemes. Uh he's he's a coach on the field at the position in a way that Dowcourt isn't. And so Dowcourt will be named uh I think as we get into the season don't count out Seth. I think he's going to be he's going to play at the center position uh before the year's out. I do think if you look at uh the 2021 offensive line versus the 2022 offensive line, there's an interesting sort of statistics puzzle that I'll throw at you. I think that Alabama lost their best offensive lineman from last season, Evan Neal. And I don't think there's any argument on that. I think Alabama also lost, and God bless the kid, but I think Alabama also lost their worst offensive lineman last year in the person of of Chris Owens. And I think we lost our best player at the position. We lost our worst player at the position. I think that average talent level across the five is pretty close to what it was last year. Again, average, right? And so if you lost your best and lost your worst, but this year the average is pretty much the same across the board, then what you have is a smaller standard deviation. You have a smaller talent deviation across the unit. You have wide swings, like literally left tackle and right tackle when you have Evan and Chris as your two tackles. When you remove those swings, the balance, the the average, the balance comes into play and on the whole, the average is better but the deviation across each individual player is less. And so you're going to get more consistent play across the offensive line. So that's what that's what I think is going to happen. I think this line it may not be net better. But it will be net more consistent, which on paper will make it net better. Also, think uh, new offensive line coach Eric Wolford is a huge improvement over Doug Marone, and I was big on Doug Marone because shit, this guy's had two NFL head coaching jobs. This guy has has forgotten more football than you know any six of us know, and surely he's going to come in and just be a whiz bang at the position. And all reports are reports that I hear is that he really just checked out midseason, which is incredibly disappointing, uh, and certainly did Alabama no favors uh, last year. I think Eric Wolford is a, a from Kentucky, and he coached at South Carolina, so he's familiar with certainly the conference. And he, you know, coming God bless Kentucky and what they're doing from a football perspective. When he when he walks into the offensive line room at Alabama, it's Christmas day every day because it's just net more talent and better talent. and he's going to get the best out of those players. So I think uh, I think the offensive line, if it's as good as it was last year, it'll be better than it was last year because there'll be you know greater tenacity, uh, they'll be coached better, they'll get better as the season progresses, and there'll be more consistency in the play. And so I'm really, really bullish on that. Uh, additional players to watch from a backup perspective, you know, we've talked about Javion and, and, and Kendall and McLaughlin and Dalcourt. Uh, you know, there's some rotation there. Uh, it's four different players for two positions. Uh, some additional players to watch, Jadian Roberts and Amari Kite. Uh, Jadian Roberts and Terrence Ferguson at the guard positions. Those guys are just, you know, Deontay Brown-sized road graders, and so I think they're going to get uh, some opportunity. And then Amari Kite, uh, and then the two freshmen, Tyler Booker and Elijah Pritchard, uh, at the tackle positions. One of those, and Saban's a big thing about, hey, we we can only invest practice time, especially in season, with a limited number of guys. We can only get a limited amount of number of guys ready for each game, and so a decision will be made between Booker and Elijah Pritchard, and one of them will get more reps, uh, probably at the right tackle position with Amari Kite kite uh heading up second team at uh at left tackle uh but watch for one of them i'm going to tell you i personally am more interested you know these first few weeks of the season in seeing who's on the second team offensive line i'm i'm this will sound crazy but i'm more interested in who's on the second team of the offensive line than i am the first team of the offensive line because guess what i'm telling you who the first the starters are i'm telling you who the first team is I'm not surely convinced that I know who the second team uh, is going to be. I probably could map it out, but um, that's going to be interesting to see uh, what the rotation looks like. Uh, who becomes sort of the the sixth and seventh, you know, lineman in a rotational situation? If somebody you know loses a helmet or blows a shoe, you know, who runs in immediately to, to fill that that position? Those are the those are the things that are be uh, a little bit interesting to me. And when the second unit comes in, like the full second unit. Like a hockey shift, who's who's on that unit? So that's going to be interesting to watch. And like I said, I'm probably more intrigued there than I am who the starters are because I feel like I feel like I kind of know uh, or certainly could predict. That's a rundown of all the positions. Just just you know some finishing thoughts across the offensive line. You know, it's almost cliche to say well the offense is going to get better as the season goes along. Well, of course, right? You know, for the first game, the second game, ten weeks. You know, it's a three month season, right? Of course, you're going to get better. Uh, as, as you go along. So there's a little bit of like Captain Obvious there. But I think Alabama's offense has an opportunity to progress on something more than just a, a linear progression. I think there's an opportunity for bursts of improvement, for explosive uh, improvement. And, and here's kind of where I go for that. Uh, you know, Jace and Roy, Roy Dale are both recovering from significant uh, knee injuries. They're going to get better as, as time passes and it certainly as they're practicing and rehabbing, they're going to get better. And whatever sort of burst that they may not have day one, they may start to recover as the season uh, progresses. Whatever pitch count they may be on to start the season, and, and we may never hear about it, but whatever pitch count they may be on to start the season, that will relax as the season progresses. Is that relaxes, they can, and and their health improves and their explosive improves, that allows Alabama to spell Jameer Gibbs a little bit more, which makes him better as the season progresses. Cameron Latou we talked about him missing most of camp. And he may potentially, I don't know, but he may miss some, some season time. And so when he rounds back into form, that's going to be a burst of improvement. And then JoJo Earl, uh, I count very similarly. Uh, he's out to October I'm saying, you know, maybe not even back until the, until the buy. And I think there's going to be a burst of improvement when he returns. If you look at, you know, Joyce, uh, Jace, Rodell, Cam and Jojo, that's more legit skill personnel uh, from a talent perspective than, than some of the opponents will face, will have on their roster. And, we may be phasing that talent in as the season progresses. So I don't think it's just a linear, hey, you know, you could plot week to week, the team gets better. Um, I think there's gonna be significant steps as these guys return and round round into form. So that's uh, that's my thought uh, from the offensive uh, standpoint. I will say, thanks for listening, please, please. Head out to your podcast download uh, service. Give us a five-star review. Uh, Leave us comments. Tell us what you like about the show. Leave us questions. Reach out to us. We love the engagement. Like, I can't emphasize that enough. The Zoom calls that we have and the text line that we have and in the engagement we have with our listeners is some of the best parts of doing this. And we hope that all of you can participate in that. We encourage and, and invite that. Uh, drop us an email at what is it Alabama football Podcast at gmail.com. We're on the Twitter machine. We're on the Facebooks. Uh, so look us up. Support the show. If that's of interest, go to alabamafootballpodcast.com, dot com and you can look at the support program there. Uh, it's a super good bargain. And in the meantime, roll tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the Tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll tie